If you have your Bibles this morning, the book of Jude, chapter 1, verse number 20. The book of Jude, chapter 1, verse number 20, is the book that occurs just before the book of Revelation in the New Testament. It has one chapter. I want to read two verses, verses 20 and 21 this morning in your hearing. If you would please stand with me, Jude chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. By now you should be able to quote this verse to me. This is the seventh time we have preached from this verse in seven weeks. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Father, would you help us this morning that we might preach in the power and in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And God, would you bring your word, which is alive, to lie, to live in my heart, to life this morning, Father. Help its words to permeate our dull senses and Feed us, Father, manna from above that our spirit may grow in the Lord today. And for this we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated this morning. We're talking about building blocks of faith. And we're to build on our most holy Faith. That foundation of the Lord, is the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the assurance of our faith. The block of baptism, which is the advertising of our faith. Then there is church attendance, the attendance of our faith. Daily scripture reading, the authority of our faith. A daily prayer life, that's the assistance of our faith. To become obedient in all things what the Lord lays on your heart. That is the action of our faith. I want to turn over to 2 Peter chapter 1. And I want to preach on this thought from these verses. Christian graces. The additions to our faith. There are things that our faith will begin and launch in our life that I call Christian graces. They're additions to your faith. In 2 Peter chapter 1, the Bible says Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So our writer is Simon Peter, one of Jesus' very own disciples. He is our author under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. When he first met Jesus, his name was Simon. The name Simon means unstable. He was careless, impetuous. He was hot-tempered. He was unstable like wheat, and Satan desired to sift him. But the Lord prayed for him, and he gave him the surname Peter, which means rock. Now Simon Peter is mature. He is no longer unstable. He is now a rock. Petros, Peter means rock. 
and he begins to write to us. Now, he mentions our like precious faith. We have faith in Jesus Christ just as Simon Peter had faith in Jesus Christ. And I want you to be careful with your faith. These are dangerous days that we live in. There are devious disciples that are out there. They're teaching deceptive doctrines. You must be careful with your faith. A question, a, a Christian should not be a question mark. All bowed down and humped over. A Christian should be an exclamation mark. Standing firm on the promises of God. You ought not to be a hope so Christian. You need to be a no so Christian. You ought not to be a doubting Christian. You need to be a shouting Christian as you stand on the promises of God. Now, Simon Peter mentions our like precious faith. Did you know this morning your faith is precious? It is precious faith because you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. We put our faith in the precious blood of Jesus Christ and now our faith has become precious faith because his blood is precious. In 1969, I was three years old. I remember watching them as they walked upon the moon. And someone asked one of those that got out of the rocket ship there and landed, what were you thinking when you looked back towards the earth there on the moon and you saw the earth? What were your thoughts? This is what he said. That machine that's supposed to take me back was built by the lowest bidder. That's what he said. He was concerned whether or whether or not he would ever make it back to civilization that he left. May I say that your faith was not purchased by the lowest bidder. Your faith was purchased by the highest bidder, by the precious blood, can I get a witness? By the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It will get a sinner all the way from this earth to the splendor of heaven's glory. Amen. When I look at this chapter and this ver these verses, I see some things that might help us to be additions to our faith. First of all, I see faith that knows. Verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. I'm amazed by that word knowledge. I underlined it in the margin. I wrote this, epigenosis. What it means is super knowledge. It is not just knowing facts. It's not just knowing about someone. I could you you today, you all you all know my Miss Gina. You you know about Miss Gina. 
But as I have a relationship with her, I know more about her because of a personal, intimate relationship that I have with her. Super knowledge, epigenosis that we have with Jesus Christ. It's not that I know about the Lord. I know Him. Do you know Him this morning? It's what I have experienced personally, individually. It is not intellectual knowledge to know about Him. Paul said that I may know Him. Paul did not say that I may know about Him. Hey, it's one thing to know about Him, but it's a whole other thing to know Him. Do you know Him? May I say when I look at verse 2, that knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, not the knowledge of knowing about Him, to have a relationship brings you to this. Knowledge brings pardon. The word is grace. Guess what? For by grace are ye saved. Hey man, you are saved by grace, thank God, which led to the knowledge, the epigenosis of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pardon is the forgiveness of your sins. Pardon is that you won't be punished for your sins. Look in verse 2 again, grace and peace. Amen. Now, knowledge brings peace. You cannot know the peace of God until you know Jesus in a personal relationship. You can't have the peace of God. You can't have peace with God until you have relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That cannot happen until your sins are pardoned. I have faith, amen, and that faith brings me into a knowledge with Jesus where I know the pardon of Jesus Christ. I know the peace of Jesus Christ. Look with me in verse 3. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life. This knowledge not only brings pardon and peace, it brings power. Woo. Do you know you have power through the knowledge, not knowing about him, but to know him personally, you have power. Thanks be unto God. The Bible said he has given unto us all things. Now, if I ask you this morning, who here needs more peace? Who here needs more courage? Who here needs more faith? Who here needs more guidance? Who here needs more strength? Who needs more joy? We would raise our hands all morning long. But when I look in verse number three, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things. Guess what? We'd raise our hands, but the truth of the matter is he's already given it to us. Well, preacher Daniel, why do I need more of it? You need him to help you lay hold upon it, to help you claim it, to help you get a hold of it. Everything you need to live this Christian life comes about by the knowledge, the relationship you have with Jesus Christ. I'll we'll say it like this. Everything you have, everything you need is in Jesus. And since Jesus is in you, everything you have or you need, you already have. He's given it to you, preacher dear. I don't feel like it. You know why? The devil and your flesh don't want you to know you have the victory. They want you to live in defeat. You take a baby elephant 
that they train at the circus. They'll take its back leg and they'll put manacles around it and tie it to an iron post. And that baby elephant can never get away from that chain that binds it and holds it. And as that elephant grows in that environment, years later when it's an adult, they'll just tie a rope around its leg and tie it to a wooden stake put in the ground about that deep. It could easily pull that up and walk away. But it doesn't know that it can because it's always been trained that I've got these chains and these limitations that hold me. The devil does not want you to know that you have all things in Jesus Christ already. He wants you to think you're tied up to a stake and maybe he'll help you Maybe he won't, but honey, I've come in here to declare war on the devil and tell you, according to the word of God, everything you need is in Christ and it's already been given to you and I. We need to know the pardon and the peace and the power that God gives to us. When I look in verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding Great and precious promises. Knowledge, the relationship with Jesus also gets you to the place where you can claim his promises. His promises are in his word. But if you don't know them, you can't lay hold on them. And therefore, they become no good to you. Why are so many people, preacher dear, living without the promises of the word of God? Why are they living in slavery to sin? Why are they living in corruption of the flesh? Why? Because they don't know the promises of God and they aren't laying hold on the promises of God. Look with me in verse 4. That by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Preacher dear, divine nature? Birds have a nature, they fly. Fish have a nature, they swim. Christians have a nature. They're to live victorious in the Lord Jesus Christ as He is victorious. As He is a conqueror, you and I should be conquerors. Fish like to swim in schools. Birds like to fly in flocks. Christians like to gather together to worship. If you don't like to gather to worship, you ought to check your nature. That would make me question what's going on and how am I being natured. That would be a concern to me. The fact that you don't want to attend says a lot about your nature. So faith knows epignosis. Now, second of all, when I look in this text in verse 5, I see faith that grows. Look in verse 5. Besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. There's faith, the building block being added to, the additions of your faith. Add to your faith virtue. Keep reading. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, 
brotherly kindness. And the brotherly kindness, charity. Now, we're going to talk about these things. Your faith must be growing. Has it ever occurred to you that as a Christian, you are not a stick in the mud? You're alive. And if you're alive with Jesus, you should be growing. Oh, preacher, you know, I don't see the word. Turn to the last chapter in 2 Peter, chapter 3, verse 18. Peter gives us a last word. But grow, there's our word, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. If you're not growing, something is wrong. You're to be diligent to grow. Did you know that growing is your responsibility? It is your responsibility to read the word. It is your responsibility to pray. It is your responsibility to add to your faith virtue. So let's talk about these Christian graces. Did you count how many there were? Seven. God's number. First of all, you should be growing in virtue, verse 5. Virtue means strength. It means moral excellence. Are you a virtuous person? The next one is growing in knowledge. Our word for knowledge is not epigenosis anymore. The word for knowledge has changed. He's not speaking about personal knowledge. He's speaking about practical knowledge. He is talking about knowing and growing in the word of God. 2 Peter 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. May I ask you a question? How much of his word do you know? You should be growing in virtue. You should be growing in knowledge. Look at verse 6. You should be growing in temperance. Preacher Darren, what does that mean? Self-control. I have a question for you. Do you ever get out of control? When you get out of control, it's because you're failing to grow. I'm asking, do you lose your temper? Do you have control over your desires to shop? Sensual, sexual desires? Do you have control over your appetite? Do you have control over your sleep habits? If you don't have control over these things, you are not growing as a Christian. I have two verses for you. In the book of Proverbs, you don't have to turn. Verse 16, verse 32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his city than he that taketh the city. Proverbs 25, 28. He that hath not rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down and without walls. Do you have rule over your spirit? Can you control yourself? Hello. If you, let me tell you something. If you cannot rule your spirit, the devil is going to come and he's going to trample in your life and make a real mess and mockery of your testimony because you're not adding 
to your faith, virtue, knowledge, and temperance. Look with me in verse number six. To knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience. Oh, there's a word. Not just patience in trivialities, although that's a part of it, but patience in persecutions. It's to endure. It is to bear up under. May I ask you a question? Mom, Dad, are you patient? Are you patient in a traffic jam? Are you patient at the doctor's office? Are you patient at the restaurant? Are you patient in the long lines? Are you patient for late airplanes? Are you patient for interruptions? Are you patient? I'm going to ask your spouse. Let me see, which one can I get? Boy, God, everybody's ducking down. Preacher Darren's really firing at us today, amen. Most Americans are not patient. We want it, and what we want, we want it now. One preacher was in his office. He's just like this. One of his deacons came. He said, preacher, what in the world? He said, I'm telling you, I'm really, I'm in a hurry. He said, I don't understand. He said, I'm in a hurry, and God is not. One time I was in a hurry to get somewhere, there was all these delays and all these problems happening in my life. And finally when I was able to leave and I was trying to go a little faster than I should have to make up for lost time that I spent in a delay only to get caught by a tree that was already across the road. Probably that tree would have fallen on my car. But God delayed me and I had no patience for God's delay. All I was trying to make up for God's delay in my life and it almost cost me my life. May I say to those of you that are not patient, there is a God in heaven who rules and reigns over every aspect of our lives. Every delay, every interruption, He knows all about it. We must learn to be patient. We must learn to bear up under persecution. The Bible says, all that shall live godly shall suffer persecution. So this is what I'm learning. Pastor Darren is learning. This is what I'm learning. If God brings what you think to be trouble into your life, hindrance or delay, praise him for it. Because every good and perfect gift comes from above and anything God gives to you is worthy of his praise. That's what I've learned. And if it's the world or the flesh or the devil that's bringing trouble into your life, here's what you need to do. Praise God for it. What? Wait a minute. If God does it, praise God for it. But if the devil is bothering me, why am I to praise God? If you'll start praising God for it, when the devil sees you praising God for it, he won't do it no more. Because he don't want you praising God. He wants you to stop that. So he's going to say, that didn't work, amen. But the problem is, it does work because we are not patient and we do have no temperance whatsoever. Ooh-wee, how are we doing so far? Verse 6 says, add to patience godliness. Godliness is God-likeness. That is to live in a way that pleases God. To live in a way that brings glory to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A life that lives in the reverence and in the awe of the Lord. Verse 7. To godliness, you need to add brotherly kindness. Brotherly, it means out of the same womb. That means to other 
fellow Christians. You're to be kind. That means putting others above yourself. It means be kind one to another. Did you know today there are others that need your kindness? There are people in this sanctuary right now that need your smile. They need your handshake. They need your warm embrace. They need your prayers. They need you today. They have broken homes. They have broken hearts. There are people today that are going through things that we cannot truthfully explain, much less understand. There are people here today, maybe there's a home bursting up, a separation of marriage or a divorce. There's a sick child or a sick grandchild. There are friends that turned their back and walked out of their life. There is death. There are hurts. There are people. Did you know there are people here today that are lonely? There are people here today that have financial distress. There are people here today that don't have a job. And you know what they need? They need your kindness. <clears throat> they need your prayers. They need your support. Here to add to your faith. These things, brotherly kindness. Seventhly, <clears throat> you're to add to brotherly kindness, charity. The word charity is the word agape. It is unconditional love. Notice it's not brotherly love, phileo love. It is charity, agape love. It is love not just to the brothers and the sisters, but it's love to all people everywhere. Can I ask you a question? Do you love everyone? Well, preacher dear, and some people are not worthy of my love. May I remind you that you were not worthy of God's love either. But he loved you anyway. And if God so loved us, we therefore should love one another. Well, preacher dear, I can't love them. Look what they're doing. Hey, it doesn't say you have to like what they do. I don't like the drugs that they're peddling. I don't like the beer that they're drinking. But you love the person. And you may not like what they do, but you love them. Love says, I will do you good regardless of what you do to me. Love says, I will not give you what you deserve, but I will give you what you need. Go on with me in verse number 8. We see faith that knows and faith that grows. Thirdly, faith that shows. Verse number eight. For if these things be in you, these seven Christian graces, if they be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Faith that shows you, if you have these things added to your faith, you will no longer be barren or unfruitful. Have a question then. Do you have fruit in your life? Is there love? Agape love. Is there peace? Peace of God, peace with God. Is there joy all the time? It gets quiet in here. Jesus said, I have ordained, I've chosen you, you haven't chosen me, and I've ordained you that you should go forth and that you should bear fruit. Fruit that shall remain. 
or others around you inspired by your influence in their life? Are others around you encouraged and made better because of you being a helper in their life? He said, if you have these graces at work in your faith, you will not be barren, neither will you be unfruitful. I'm afraid many of us as Christians have become unfruitful. We worry about me and my four and no more. We are not bearing fruit, yea, much fruit for Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 9, but he that lacketh these things, these seven Christian graces, if we lack one or all seven, the Bible says he is blind and he cannot see afar off and he hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. This is what he's saying, you're no longer blind. Well, now, preacher, during the day Jesus saved me, he healed me, and now I have spiritual sight. For many of us, we see men as trees walking. And we said, Lord, touch my eyes again a second time and help me to see better. But when he says that you're blind, he's not saying that you're off in, necessarily in sin again and that you're no longer saved. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you're blind to the fact that you were purged from your old sins to start with. You have forgotten what God's done for you. I will say something this morning. Many of us, we have forgotten the price he paid. We have forgotten. We have forgotten how he took our guilt, our shame, our sins, how he took them away when he purchased us by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have forgotten. I'm a, here's what I think is happening. We have become so bogged down by the cares of this world that we have forgotten what God has already brought us from. And he said, if you have these virtues, you will not have forgotten. You've forgotten where he's brought you from. You have forgotten where he's brought you to. And you have forgotten where he's bringing you to. In verse 10, and I'll be done. Wherefore the rather, brethren. In other words, choose these virtues. Wherefore the rather, brethren. Give diligence. There's that word again, diligence. Pay close attention to. Make sure these things are in your life. We saw that verse, that, that word already earlier about diligence in verse 5. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and your election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. You ought to know that you're saved. You ought to know that when you called on the Lord Jesus Christ in faith that he brought you into a personal relationship with him. You have knowledge of him. You are walking with him. You are with him each and every day. Well, hallelujah to God. Now, I got to thinking about this. Preacher Darren, that word says, he shall never fall. That means potentially I could fall. That means that you be blind and forget what God's done for you or you become unfruitful or you become barren. And when you get squoze and when you have trouble in your life, you don't really have anything to share. You're completely, you're a bucket, but you're an empty bucket. You're a basket, but you're an empty basket. 
I got saved. Jesus is in there. How big is Jesus? How big is your faith? Amen? Where, where is your temperance? Where is your patience? Where is your virtue? Where is your knowledge? Where, where is your brotherly kindness? Where, where, is, where is your charity? I preach it in. I'm hung up on that word fall. I, I just think that you might could lose your salvation because of the suggestion of that word. Let's go to the Old Testament. Old Testament. There's a man. He built an ark. What was his name? Noah, Noah built an ark. And he got on board that ark and God sent the animals in. And the, what's the Bible say? Who closed the door? God closed the door. And when he closed the door, Noah couldn't open it. None of the animals could open it. Noah's family couldn't open it. That was up to God. God had sealed him in. Can I say that? Is that okay to say? God sealed him in. Now maybe one day, here's Noah, he's working. And he goes up here and he's feeding the rhinoceros. And, and he's, he's over here to see the hippopotamus. And maybe he's, he brought his bucket in, a povender or whatever. And maybe one day as he starts to say, Lord, you said I'd never fall. I can just imagine on that ark, there had to be a time that Noah maybe stumbled over a bucket or over a pitchfork or something that was there. He fell. Can I get a witness? Do you think maybe he stumbled at some point in time on that boat? He was on there for over a year. I ask you a question. When he fell, did he fall out of the boat? Why? When he fell, why did he not fall out of the boat? Because he was sealed in. So many of you think, oh, I'm going to lose it. Oh, I'm going to lose It's not yours to lose. He gave it to you, amen, and it's his salvation. He's giving it to you. You're not the one keeping it. He keeps your salvation. And when you mess up and you don't have patience, when you don't have temperance and all these other Christian graces and you fall and you become blind and you get into trouble and now you're down and out and you're rolling around, oh God, I don't know if I'm saying, honey, when you called on him, he saved you. You can't get out. You've been sealed. By the promise of the Holy Spirit, amen. I'm done preaching. I'm just going to quit. But maybe there's somebody here. Preacher, dear, and I'll be honest with you. I have faith in Christ, but it's not much. It's wee little faith. He said he could use little faith. Little faith. Who's your faith in? What's your faith in? May I ask you this morning, and I'm done right here. Have you added anything to your faith? Do you have patience? What would your spouse say? Do you have temperance, self-control? What would your spouse say? I'm going to get these children to come back up here, and I'm going to give them a microphone, and I'm going to ask them about mama and daddy if they think they are... Heads are dropping again. Oh, preacher, that's a bad idea. Why is it a bad idea? If your concern is that they're going to wrap mom or dad or Paul or grandma out, you ought to get on your face before God and say, Oh God, as a Christian, I have stopped growing because I have gotten out of the word, my prayer life stinks, and I'm not adding to my faith these graces in my life that I'm supposed to have. 
Listen, if you have these things, you're in great shape. I'm going to tell you something. I took a personal inventory, and I'm lacking. Grossly. You stand to your feet this morning. Someone come to the piano. You need to give all diligence as to whether you're growing or not. You need to give all diligence right now. Take an inventory. Look and see. Come on. I'm not judging you. I'm judging me. I already told you I am grossly inadequate. I am way short of where I need to be. me again and as I bow before you today Lord I want to confess to you my sinfulness my wickedness my unfruitfulness my blindness Lord when I look in the precious word of God you've told me that God if I'd add these graces that I would not be blind anymore that I would not be barren anymore, that I would not be bewildered verse 10 anymore and yet God when I look I come up short forgive me Lord I want to go back you saved me (laughs) what a day that was God would you take my sins God I've confessed them to you would you wash them, purge them, take them away and put me in a walk with you again in a testimony with you. And God, I pray, Lord, you'd help me in my faith to add these things to be virtuous. Add these things to have knowledge of the Word and of Jesus. Add these things to have temperance. Add these things to have patience. God, help us, Lord, I pray that we would add these graces in our lives that you might get glory. Father, this morning, I've confessed my sin. You said that you would be faithful and just to forgive me of all my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Help me then, God, to take these graces that you've shared with me and add them into my life brotherly kindness and charity. Help us God I pray in Jesus name. Amen and amen.